back with another episode of space and 60 with your co-hosts andrew 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 and the baker man himself hello hello patty cake patty cakes good to see you again chad (laughs) that's so embarrassing no it's not embarrassing (laughs) poor chad no way oh what am i to do we got some big things coming up this week. One of my uh, favorite things every year is going out to the Esri User Conference. So we'll be there. It's not exactly space direct, but there's a big geospatial component. Most of that data comes from space anyway. A lot of it. A lot of it. Yeah. So heading out to San Diego. Hope we see some of our listeners out there, but that's always a good time down in the gas lamp quarter. It's tough to turn down San Diego. I mean, it is. It's a great place. Seventy-five and sunny every day, every single day. It seems a little bit boring. No, no, no. I'm in Florida, and we've got you know eight amazing months. We've got two pretty good months, and two that just really, really suck in in the summer. And we're there. You can't sit outside. Ninety-one percent humidity, but San Diego, seventy-five degrees, amazing humidity. I love it. Granted, I do need my seasons, but for a vacation or a trip to go to, come on, Andrew, it's hard to beat. I don't think I could say that as a Canadian. I just <laughs> learning something new about you. Is this just a Canadian thing or what? What's going on here? It's like I feel like I the same thing when I learned you were a pilot. I mean, mind is blown. Mind is blown. Are you going to fly yourself into San Diego, Andrew? Not this time. Have you done that before? Have you flown to San Diego? I have not. <laughs> that was a little bit misleading. <laughs> well, yeah, so the maybe question, next like, time or I do every time. <laughs> no, no. So where have you flown? Like where all of you, you uh, done your flying? Uh, so I did all my pilot's license stuff out in the Vancouver area, but to get your, to get your commercial license, you have to do one really long trip as part of the, the training program. So I think it has to be like an eight hour or some nautical mile distance, but I flew down through Portland to Eugene and then did a U-turn and then went all the way back. Did a U-turn. So like didn't land, you just turned around and came back? Landed somewhere, needed to get gas, but yeah. (laughs) Well, your piloting days always interest me, Andrew. Every single time you tell me about it, I learned something new. That's something a little bit new. So I don't know, you're quite the bush pilot. That's pretty cool. The bushiest bush pilots are in Alaska. That's all I got got to say about that. Yeah. Well, enough of the bush pilots. Let's talk about our next guest. We've got a really cool guest this week. I was really excited to see all of the different backgrounds that our next guest had. But coming up on today's show, Athena Brensberger has been proving that science is no longer the domain of the neglected dusty white coats of old science labs. She's a YouTube star, she's a model, a STEM advocate, and a science writer, a researcher, and we think she's met some really famous people. Can't wait to introduce you to our next guest, Athena Brensberger. Athena, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you on Space and 60. 
Thanks so much, Clint. I'm super excited to be here too. Great. Introducing also my cohorts, Chad Baker and Andrew Polipchuk. Hello. Howdy. So <laughs> this is quite the rowdy crew. So we appreciate you jumping on the show completely blind as to what we're going to talk about and where we're going to go with it. I think it makes it a little more exciting. Oh, those are always like the fun ones. Yeah. Just, you know, even though this isn't live, I always like to just use the quote of just get it, do it live, just do it live. And and then just see kind of basically what happens. I think that those are always some of the, the most wonderful moments of humanity and, and our conversations. Candid. They're candid. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, thanks, you know, again, for being on the show. And you've got a really diverse background in the space industry, and you do a lot of things. And I think our listeners are going to be really excited to hear about all the different places where you you work in from media, social media, you're a model, you're an astrophysicist, like, where do you want to start? I guess we can start with media, social media. I think that'd be, be a really interesting thing, because that's if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't have really kicked off everything that I do now as far as just, yeah, like making content and what even is content. And the whole game of social media has become such an interesting component of life itself. So I think that that in its own way could be like a whole, there could be a whole podcast series just about social media in general, I think, because it's such a crazy monster in itself, but also a beautiful, beautiful creation. It's it's one of those double-edged uh, or, or two-sided kind of things, uh, which I think is interesting. So let's, let's kick it off with social media. Great. So you are really active in social media. I think you've got like 80,000 followers on Instagram. Is that right? Yeah, cu- cusping it really close. Yeah, yeah, about 79.4, I think. Four I forgot I was fluctuating an astrophysicist. I've got to be much more precise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully, we can bump that over now with all of our listeners out there. Yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. When all of our moms start following you, I think we'll take it over to the 80,000 <laughs> mark. That'd be great. Well, welcome all the moms. That would be awesome. <laughs> so, so one thing that I think the science community and the engineering community and the space community, we're really bad at social media and telling the world about what we do and the differences that we make in the industry. Like, how do you use your social media platform and your, your space background to make an impact? It sort of just started by like really in high school loving people on YouTube, you know, like really thinking YouTubers were just awesome. You know, I was like, oh, they're, they're so cool. And a lot of it was comedy. A lot of it was, you know, pure entertainment. And when I started meeting like astronauts and different scientists giving lectures at lecture halls or universities um, or museums that I volunteered at, I just thought like, wow, imagine if you know, we could utilize these platforms basically to showcase more of these scientists and engineers and, and, and astronauts, which also wear all those hats as well as a scientist and engineer, um, but sort of looked at them more in the eyes of how we sort of see celebrities and and not so much to sort of like celebrify, if that's even a word, uh, a scientist, but more so just recognize the the value and importance in which they are providing to our everyday lives. Um, and also just to the greater evolution of mankind and humanity, you know, like that's something that I think is so incredible. So, so when I was at high school and, and going into college, I just thought, 
if there's anything that I've learned just through like my love of, of theater and communication and connecting with people, it's like, how can I use that and put that together with my love for science and then create something on this newly formed platform or various platforms, which sits under the umbrella of social media. So that's when, when I just thought like, okay, this there's got to be something more here. And there weren't a lot of people, I think, doing it at the time. But then you started seeing like bigger YouTubers like uh, Derek Muller, Veritasium, and, and Vsauce, and um, Tim Dodd, the Everyday Astronaut. And all of these really big science communicators became super prominent and I think really changed the game for how we as, I think, like a society really sort of process not only what it means to be like either a scientist, but also like what it means to speak the language of science and not think it's a bunch of crazy mumbo jumbo that you see in, in scientific journals. Because that might be one of the biggest faults of communicating science is having it be in really complicated terminology that you can only understand if you've taken a college course and how to write and read scientific publications. Because I, re I remember being there in undergraduate school and, and when I was doing research and having to go through and sifting through these, these papers and just every other word I had a highlighter marked through because I didn't know a lot of the terminology. And I just thought, I'm like, if I, if I don't understand this and I'm, you know, my third year of, of doing research and everything, I'm like, how is anyone else supposed to understand this stuff? And, and maybe that's what's leading to the broader kind of a, a spectrum of humanity and the miscommunication of really understanding science and scientific literacy. And it doesn't need to be super difficult, I think. It doesn't need to be super offsetting or intimidating. It's just everything that's around us. Um, so that was kind of what I think really sparked me personally to try to do something with social media to create basically a space for anyone to go to that wants to either learn a bit about science or maybe doesn't and like found my page because of like the, the modeling I was doing and, and fashion stuff and then learned a thing or two about space. And, and for me, that was like, that was, that was pretty satisfactory. That was kind of like a selfish reason to do it. But it also was like, if I can start this, maybe I can inspire other people my age or younger than me to also do this and create this and then create a ripple effect of science communicators. And I think that that's, that's happened. I don't know necessarily, I don't think it's direct cause of me, but I think that there's several people who did this. And now it's like, I've, I've connected with so many wonderful individuals who have a, a presence online in one way or another, they created a blog or they have different social media pages where they're communicating really complex things in microbiology or zoology or astrophysics. And um, I think that's really made a positive impact on everyone of all ages, not, not just the youth and kids, because they're a big, big target. I think of an audience online just because they're the ones who are tend to be on TikTok a lot more or Instagram a lot more. Um, but, but yeah, but also adults, we, we all basically consume social media, Twitter and, and all that stuff. So kind of a long-winded answer there, but, but that's, <laughs> that's sort of my, my stream of consciousness. <laughs> You know, some of the, the really big names in media and education in, in the media field began all the way back with Werner von Braun when he did the specials with Disney and then you with Walt Disney. And then you had Carl Sagan, who is just this massive household name with, with his television show. 
and then Neil deGrasse Tyson. And then we've also got, you know, someone that we all grew up with, with Bill Nye, the science guy, you know, really bringing this home so that people could understand how science and space affects their, their everyday life. But is that kind of where you're headed with it? You know, beyond social media, are you looking to expand out into television and movies and, and all of those things? Yeah, definitely. That, that was that was a big like inspiration of mine back when, I mean, of course, we were probably all in elementary school. We had the television roll in and Bill and I was on there and you first learned that you could swing a bucket of water over your head and not have it spill on you. And I just thought like it was just so fun and quirky and entertaining and got everyone to laugh and try something new. And so that definitely was something that from a young age, I thought, hmm, that'd be really cool to do that one day. But it seemed very unattainable at first because I was like, I don't know anything about television. How am I supposed to break into the industry? It seems really like, you know, you, you go, I think, to school for, for videography or film or acting. It, it, I thought this was my my perception is that you won't know much about the industry or how to get connected. But that's the cool thing about social media is that's sort of it sort of became this like middleman in a way where you're not only able to connect with people, but you can build your own reel, your own like highlight reel of different things that you can create and showcase. So when I started doing that, I thought, oh, this is something I definitely want to do. Where I think the true inspiration probably really came was in my second year of doing research at the Hayden Planetarium in New York. And Neil deGrasse Tyson was filming Cosmos um, and he's the director of the Hayden Planetarium. So, so he was in and out quite a lot, but I missed the day that he had gone in and met all of us interns and research students because I had just started pursuing modeling and I was out like on a casting call or something like that. And so I, so I missed him and I was like, no, but sure enough, later that week, um, I was actually, so I'll try to sum up the story. It's kind of a long story, but I was basically at a crossroads of kind of what to pursue if I wanted to keep doing my degree or try to pursue this potential modeling career and do acting and was just sort of sitting in this lobby area, just like eating celery and peanut butter, just kind of, kind of, kind of having a mopey As moment. one does. Lots of celery As one and peanut does. butter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, celery and, and cheese whiz. Come on. <laughs> celery and cheese whiz. Yeah. That, that, that's what the little crevice in celery was made for. It's the fill exactly. it with cheese whiz or peanut exactly. butter. Exactly. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Well, well, in case anyone's wondering, Neil is not a fan of that. And that's because within moments after I'm sitting there, the elevator doors open and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson steps off and, and he greets me and says, hello, like, you know, nice to meet you. Like, are you one of the, the research students? And I end up, you know, speak with him and I was like, I am, and I, I'm working under Dr. Charles Liu. Um, and he sits down and he's like, well, let me sit down and you know, tell me about your research. And I'm like in this moment of like, you know, borderline tears, just because I was like, Again, very, I felt like I was at a crossroads. I felt very confused about my purpose in life, what I thought at, you know, 19 years old, what my trajectory was supposed to be, what my career was supposed to be. And, and so I sit down and I try, try talking to him a little bit about, you know, proplids, protoplanetary disks, which is what my first year of research was on. I'm talking to him and I'm like, oh yeah, like, you know, these, these baby stars form. And, and I just stopped in the middle of it. I was like, look, Neil, I was like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm like, I want to pursue modeling, but I also want to pursue getting my degree in astrophysics and I don't really know what to do because blah, 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 blah. And basically I have this like semi semi meltdown to, to Neil deGrasse Tyson and, and he just pauses and he's like step into my office and 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 we go we go into his office and it's just all these books on his on his bookshelf and he sits down and he pulls a book off of the shelf behind him and just hands it to me 
And it was weird as he didn't even turn around, but it was Death by Black Hole, which was one of his books that I still have the copy he gave me. And he's like, I want you to read through this book. He's like, it's of course a book about the cosmos and astronomy and you really appreciate that. And he's like, but there's something a little bit deeper here that I think you're going to maybe feel connected to when it comes to sort of deciding what to do, but you'll start to notice your life as, you know, you, you may have perceived it as this linear timeline and it should be following kind of the certain pathway, but, but you're going to start to notice that there's all these different twists and turns and changes and things that will start to come up. And he's like, and as you turn through each chapter of the book, start to think about literally that as a metaphor for your own life and that things will be ever evolving and, and changing. And he said a lot of other things that I don't exactly remember everything, but, but along the lines of that, I just, that's really stuck with me. And he was like, I'm going to be here filming Cosmos. And, you know, so we'll, I'll be here, you know, hosting wine and cheeses with all, all the astronomers and you'll have grape juice and, and we'll just, you know, cause I was 19 then. And so it was just like, you know, I'll chat with me basically. And, you know, like, let, let me know like what you decide. And, and, I had a really incredible mentor as well at the time, Dr. Charles Liu, who him and, and Neil have been colleagues for, for years. And Charles had a very similar kind of response where he said, you know, like school is always going to be here. The universe is always going to be here. Things will be here as an option in the future. Try pursuing the thing that you want to do now, like, like treat your life like a science experiment and run an experiment. And if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, try another route basically. And that's exactly what I did. And it ended up being probably some of the best advice I received from both these individuals because um, that really helped me sort of think about what else I could pursue. And, and I didn't get to mention, but something else that really stuck out to me was one Neil mentioning about him also doing dance back. He, he was, a, I think, a competitive dancer for a while and also being captain of his wrestling team while also pursuing his degree in astrophysics. And the fact that I felt so alone at that moment of like, like before meeting him, I was like, oh, I'm probably like the only one. All my colleagues knew they wanted to pursue astrophysics from a young age and wanted to do this. But here I am wanting to you know dance and model and act and yet I want to pursue science. Like, no, who am I kidding? And but he was like, oh, I've also, I had the same path. And Dr. Charles Liu also was, you know, a, an incredible singer and musician and writer and musical theater performer and a cosmologist. And so I had this wonderful, I think, inspiration around me. And, th and then one final bit to sort of finish off here about the communication was Neil was the first person to really introduce the term science communication to me, I didn't realize that was an opportunity for a job. I thought I get my degree and I become an astrophysicist and sit in front of a computer for nine to 10 hours a day, sifting through data and coding that I received from a telescope. And that didn't seem great, really entertaining to me for someone who loved talking and moving and, and connecting with people. And he introduced this term science communication and, you know, obviously talked to me about Cosmos and told me about, all about Carl Sagan and, and, you know, Bill Nye, which I already, you know, knew about these individuals, but, you know, kind of brought these people up as examples of, you know, this is something you can pursue and you probably should pursue because you love not only the subject matter, but talking to people about it. And we we need more of that. And in fact, that's actually something that society could use more of rather than someone to maybe just pursue science research. So all that being said, that's what really, I think, inspired me to not only actually pause my degree at the time, which I actually just started up again, by the way, which we can get into in a bit, but also the fact that 
when I went to pursue modeling, I was able to, at the same time, I wouldn't have been able to do research, but I was able to create Astro Athens and create communication through social media. I love that. The treat your life like a science experiment. I don't know how my experiment would go. And you're doing much better in my way too many variables. Like Chad. Yeah. Way too <laughs> many variables. yeah. I was going to say, I need to know that I need to borrow that book. Cause I really want to know how did I end up with you two yahoos? <laughs> <laughs> you were just lucky. You were the just stars lucky. aligned. Lucky, Andrew, yeah, just, what can we say? Co- cosmic destiny, right? Cosmic, I can't imagine. That should be a book. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You know, been in that scenario where you got to to meet Neil, not being just absolutely starstruck. Like in in our family, like we tend to look at at scientists and engineers as as our heroes. And one time, I took our our kids to Disney World. We're based in Orlando, and Chad and and Andrew have heard this story before. But we're going through Disney World, and it's just me and and my son and and my daughter at the time, and we see across the way we see Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner. And I was like, I was nudging my kids and I said, Hey, Hey, look over there. It's Batman. And my kid was like, eh, I was like, come on, it's Batman. Don't you want to go over there and say hi? And he's like, eh, it's not really Batman. It's just the guy. Yeah, It wasn't Michael Keaton. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. It's just the guy that plays Batman. (laughs) But, but two years ago, I guess three years ago now in 2019, I had the chance to go to um, a conference in Houston. And I didn't know it at the time, but Bill and I was was there as a guest speaker and he was signing books. And I was just absolutely just bumbling all over myself, just, blah, 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 just couldn't talk. But I managed to get an autograph. And then afterward, I'm at the airport and I'm sitting there and Bill and I comes through pulling his little, his cart behind him and he's headed to his plane. And I was such a nerd. I was like, on the spy movies where they're walking by in one corner and they're trying to get just a little bit closer and a little bit closer to get enough courage <laughs> yeah. to go up and talk. And I totally blew it. Couldn't do it. Got too nervous at the end, but he was a hero of mine, you know, growing up watching him on television for, for all those years and uh, absolutely one of the greatest experiences of my life. But if I'd been in your scenario meeting Neil, I I wouldn't have even been able to talk. So kudos. <laughs> environment though you know i mean if if i had seen someone out i probably would be like okay how do i approach them other than being like hey i'm a fan of you your work whatever it is where with this it was like yeah i mean i i was i was like i was having a moment you know and (laughs) we kind of shared the same facility at the time so i think it was just a very different circumstance but bill knight did come in and and met everyone as well and it was a, a similar experience to you where we were just like, Oh my gosh, can we have, you know, like an autograph and he signed the back of my badge. And, and it was a really, really exciting thing, but I think it's, it probably has to come has to do with sort of how you maybe come across people in life and how you cross paths, you know? So, so who's the, who's that person for you that if you met them from the industry, from, from the field, if you met them, you would just be like absolutely starstruck. And it's the one person on your list that would absolutely do it for you. They have to be alive, surely. So, I mean, if, if, if it would, would have been someone who had already passed away, it would have been Carl Sagan and Stephen Hawking, but alive now. Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also Dr. Frank Drake was, was someone too. I didn't get to speak to him, but I saw him on stage giving a lecture. It was at the International Space Development Conference and it was like the SETI Institute section. He was giving a speech and and he's someone that I probably would have just 
probably been really, really excited to just have one-on-one you know, like FaceTime with just to sort of, yeah, to talk to him and, and ask him because as like a pioneer for, you know, this whole exploration of other life beyond earth is just like, I, you know, I think it, it takes some, some pretty special way of thinking to not just think of that being a possibility, but make it not only tangible, but a, a scientific and physics approach to that possibility. You know, because there's plenty of people out there who are like, oh, I know there's aliens. I believe in aliens. And, but to actually come down and become a little more grounded with it and say, how can now we locate these other forms of potential life that probably exist and, and let's try to calculate it and then to create the Drake equation. You know, it just, this is something I think is just really cool. Also, because that like the work at the SETI Institute is, is, is a goal of mine one day too. So that that would be probably a, a person that I would meet and be really starstruck over. And then maybe I'll come back to the question a little later because there's, there's probably definitely a few other people out there to be really excited about. You could totally just jump in and interrupt us. Like if it comes to you, just blurt it out, throw it out there. Okay. <laughs> Well, one person I got really excited about, this is going to be really random, but it was Bon Jovi. <laughs> a there you long go. Time ago. There we go. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. It was a very like exciting that. moment. I mean, I was, yeah, I was definitely starstruck. I was in tears, but that was mainly because just in high school, I found the Slippery When Wet record. Uh, my mom has a bunch of records and I just played it and I was like, what is this music? And this it just amazing. changed my world. It's okay. yeah. wow. It's Bon Jovi. I mean, so, literally just say no more. It just, just never so we ages were, for me. Yeah. We were, we were out to eat at the Hard Rock Cafe. I think last weekend and we're all sitting around we're having this like huge bowl of ice cream sharing it as a family and living on a prayer comes on and every dad in the whole area starts bobbing their head back and forth <laughs> and my kids are like what what's what happening here i don't understand oh my god Oh, that's so great. I would have loved to be there. <laughs> but it does make me feel pretty old that it was your mom's records that you were listening to. Like, <laughs> I mean, just generally them being records, you know, I think, that, you know, some hipsters today made that's it a true. little it's cool a again, point. but yeah. but it wasn't a CD, you know, it wasn't an MP4 file. It was, it was a record. It was a vinyl record. So I, uh, we, we weren't really hanging around with those in the nineties, but yeah. Oh man, even before cassettes. Oh, yeah, I did have a cassette player though. I I did. It was for a brief 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 moment of time. <laughs> oh wow! Um, but it does bring me back watching Stranger Things and and seeing them with their cassette players. <laughs> did you ever have the experience of having to wind up the cassette with a pencil, like or or your pinky putting it in there when it all comes out the other end? <sighs> I don't think so. Did no. you make your own mixtapes? I mean, that was the best yes. part. I did make my own, I, I might've done only one cassette, but I did make a lot of, I would burn my own CDs. So that, that was what me and not a lot of my same, friends were doing. Though. I tried Well, I did that for a while too, but it's not the same. So, so like something that I think people in their twenties will never get to experience is when you were making a mixtape in the eighties, you didn't like always have a, a two decks where you could put one in the other. You would have to call the radio station. And I experienced this call the radio station and request a song. And you're waiting with your hand on the button. As soon as it plays, you hit the button and hit record and you record it on the live radio to make your mixtape. And you're sitting there the whole night on Saturday night when they take, when they take requests, I can't tell you how many Saturday nights we spent doing that. I think I know what this, so would you have a separate recorder with the tape inside and you'd have to hold the recorder up to the speaker of the radio? We did that too. Like we did that too, okay. but this one you could record from the before. air. You could record from the air and you sit there and it's a boom box, right? And first time my kids saw a boom box, they were like, what is that? I've never seen anything like that. 
but you have this, you have a, a tape deck on there and you wait and you've called it in and they would start at like eight o'clock at night. And so you'd have to go from eight till midnight waiting for your song to play or hope someone else requested as well. And then hit record really fast, but you've got four hours with your finger on the button. I know. Yes. I've experienced this before. I had, it had a giant white Sony boombox that had a cassette section and a CD section and a record button. And I remember this, I would record the classical station. That was like my favorite station until Z100 came around. And then, but though I remember doing this now, you just reminded me of that. I had a lot of those, those cassettes. What did you guys do in Canada, Andrew? Same thing. Although it was usually tape to tape, but we didn't wait around. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't wait around. We just (laughs) You didn't, didn't want time. it bad enough. That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> you didn't want it bad enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was going to say, as soon as you make it into the SETI Institute, you're going to have to bring in your boom box with your finger on the record button, waiting for that, you know, ominous alien sound to come through the radio antenna. Yeah. Yeah. I just like record it on. I, I mean, I think having a boom box, I'll do that for you guys for sure. But, but <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that the methods are a little bit different today. But that, w- that would be fun. And then just sell a bunch of cassette tapes just worldwide. Just be like, first alien sounds only on cassette. Can't even put it on CD or DVD. <laughs> cassette only, not even on the computers. <laughs> so beyond music, beyond modeling, beyond astrophysics, like I also understand that you've got a streaming show that recently started? Yeah. So I started a podcast, which is called Space Talk. I haven't actually made an episode in, in a little bit, but I was... Is, is that what you're speaking of as far as a streaming show goes? I think... No, 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 no. What was it called? Um, it was on a streaming service and oh suppress science curiosity suppress, uh, suppress science yes there we go. yeah wow okay yeah, I, I wasn't sure i was like okay wait we've got the podcast and then um, i was going to be starting a twitch stream today originally but we're postponing it right now so that should be coming out soon which i'm pretty excited about so i was like i don't know if they would know about that but um yes suppress science oh i'm so excited my very very first like official hosted tv show it is on network television in parts of Europe. Uh, they have Curiosity as a television channel, like Science Channel or Discovery. But in the U.S., it is Curiosity Stream, and it's also it's worldwide. But the U.S. doesn't have the network component. And yeah, so Suppress Science, really, really fun show. It's what it sounds like. It's it's literally looking into different subjects within the realm of science that, for one reason or another, have been suppressed in some way, whether through research or through media. And it really let us down some interesting rabbit holes. And the last, the final four episodes just aired last week. So really excited about those. Yeah. One of the episodes, the final one is on the theories of everything. And we speak to some pretty cool people just to sort of get their views on, on how to sort of explain all of reality through one theory, because there's been quite a few ideas of this could be the theory of everything. No, this could be the theory of everything. Uh, so we kind of visit quite a few of those with different people and try to sort of formulate, like, is there a theory of everything? Could there be? Or is that something we can never achieve? That's yeah. If you can't tell, that's one of my favorite episodes. So yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, we've got quite a few listeners that are in Europe, some in Asia, some in Australia. Most of them are in North America. Like for those who are in North America, where can they go to, to check out one of those episodes or your entire series? 
Yeah. So they also now just upload it on YouTube. So um, if you go to Curiosity Stream's YouTube channel, you'll find the first four episodes on there and the final four episodes will be aired. I think it's once every one to two weeks. They tend to surprise us. So I don't, I don't quite know exactly the date, but that'll be on YouTube. Otherwise, if you have, if you're a subscriber to Curiosity Stream, which I think is like 12 bucks for the year, it's specifically a platform all based around educational content. So documentaries, you won't really find like kind of ghost hunter shows and stuff like that, but you'll find like true science content, educational content, entertaining kind of fun stuff. So I, I just overall recommend, you know, subscribing to, or getting a, a membership to curiosity stream. If you're curious, no ghost hunters, but alien hunters. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There we yeah. go. There we go, Chad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can I can just see Chad in, in his late Saturday nights sitting on the couch two in the morning watching was it ancient aliens? Yeah, something like yeah. That. yeah. 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 It's after I've been working on my mixtape. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just finished the mixtape, settling into some ancient aliens. Followed by the audio. <laughs> some infomercial on cooking. So so what's <laughs> what's next for you, Athena? Like you've you've done all these really cool things. What's the next big thing? that you're working on that people can look out for? Well, I guess currently is I, I just re-enrolled in university. So I am now officially an ASU student online, so Arizona State University, which is very exciting because they have a lot of people working in the space industry out of ASU. So that's that's super, super exciting. But for me, it's to just finish up my degree, finishing up the bachelor's. I, I, I like to, you know, kind of just put that out there that I guess, which is, which is why I've, I've sort of just like I definitely, I consider myself an astronomer. I I, I think that astrophysicist, that's, that's a term that like, maybe it's just my own, my own personal view, but having those, those credentials, having my own published papers and research then would quite earn you the title for that. So, so that's something I'm, I'm a little, I don't know, maybe a little bit too, too cautious of, I don't know, but that's something that I'm really excited about is to truly finish up that that degree, especially since I'm probably going to go down a slightly different path because I have a little bit more interest in exoplanets. So that's more of a planetary science degree rather than astrophysics. And so that's number one is doing research again in that area of, of, of science. Um, just to, for, for one, return to research after a decade of, of not pursuing my academics really, except for on my own online, taking courses here and there through Outlier and University of Pittsburgh and basically just keeping the, the wheels turning in the brain. But uh, the, the other thing is, is I'm really excited and, and hopeful to not only possibly get a season two of Suppress Science, but work on more science shows. Cause that, that's something that is, yeah, it's just, just really, I, I realize just speaks to me so much deeper than anything else, because it's not just the component of learning myself, because I, I, while I'm filming these things, like I actually am the learner, but also to being able to sort of take a lot of the kind of heavy, dense scientific concepts, figure out how to really like start to break that down, compartmentalize it, and then present that to others. is something that I'm, I'm really excited about. And the last thing is, is I'm really aiming and hoping to, to publish a children's book soon. Ah, something Chad and Andrew can read. <laughs> to my kids. To our kids. <laughs> yeah. To their kids. That's what I was trying to say. To their kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, Stop you know, too quick there, Clint. <laughs> 
I think, I, I think, yeah, just, just being able to, to do that, I think would be something really cool. And I kept thinking for so long, like, oh, like I shouldn't do that until I X, Y, and Z, but it's like, no, I think that there's so many wonderful things. There's so many stories to tell and so many ways to share, not just things about space and the universe, but also the human perspective and perception of it. And, and Nicole Stott, I noticed you guys interviewed her and she's had some wonderful, I think, takeaways, not only from her own space missions, but also her being an artist. And, and she's a true inspiration for me because her, I guess, like experiences through that has allowed for her to storytell in a very special way that I think touches people very differently than I think a lot of other people who tend to talk about science it's just different. It has a, a specific tone to it. And it has a, a very creative aspect that speaks to something in our subconscious, which, which just innately is part of being human. It's, it's this artistic side, as well as this more scientific and logic side, logical side. And so I think that if, if there were more individuals to sort of share, not just like science as in like facts, because it's sort of just repeating things that we all, we all can read now, especially having like a phone on us, we can just Google a lot of things, but it's more so how it affects the individual. That's why also I'm, I'm like a huge supporter of, of space missions, of people going to space, space tourism. And I know that right now, you know, there's a lot of pushback on the privatization of space. However, I'd like to just sort of like remind people that I think that this is like the first step to it becoming more accessible and more affordable and more public. And it's, it's through these individuals who um, draft up not only the, the finances, but the connections and the way to make all of this happen. And to then allow for scholarships to have other people going to space, like Katya. Uh, so she's someone that I connected with on, on Instagram a year ago, and she went to space recently on the most recent Blue Origin mission. If that, you know, if, if, if Bezos didn't, didn't create Blue Origin, that, that wouldn't have happened. And she wouldn't have, I think, that inspired not only so many people in the US, but the fact that she's originally born in Mexico and has inspired so many of her friends and family and other people in that community that were like, yes, like this is so epic and this is inspirational. And so I think all that being said, it's it all comes down to the human connection. And if we just sort of look at rockets and spacecraft and rovers, we're missing the most important com component, which is humanity, humanity in all of these things on earth, off earth, on other planets and in, you know, in space, low earth orbit or beyond. So that's something. So, so that's so that tying it back to sort of the, the children's book is I, I want to basically kind of touch on all those things. I don't want it to just be sort of an astronomy book for kids because there's so many wonderful ones out there that have been done. I want it to be more about sort of yes, yeah, speaking to that, that part of our, our consciousness that builds our curiosity for these things that allows us to want to explore and adventure beyond our neighborhood, our house, our country or our planet. Because, you know, it's like at the end of the day, it's like, if we don't exactly know why we're here, then why don't we explore a little bit to possibly come closer to finding, finding out the answer to that or just for pure curiosity? Because that's, I think, what's driven humanity to some pretty, pretty great things. Well, I'll buy your book for sure. Uh, I can't wait for it to be released. And when it is, we would love to invite you back to the show to talk about what you've written and you know how it affects kids all around the world. We can't wait to read it. Oh, thanks. I'll, I'll let you guys know once, once it's out, <laughs> once I finish it <laughs> too.
Well, great. We've actually gotten to the end of the time that, that you've given us today, but this has been a really cool interview, Athena. It's been fun. There are celebrities involved. There are children's books. There are social media. And I don't think you said film, but TV, television series, streaming series, like you just do it all, modeling. And it's mixtapes. You know, you're the, you're bon the mixtape of this industry. Yeah. And so it's, it's I'm been really great <laughs> and we can't, we can't wait to, to see you again and have you back on the show. Oh, well, thank you so much guys. Uh, this has been, it's been so great and it's been an honor to be on space in 60. Great. We'll see you next time. Thank you. See ya. Thank you. That was another great interview. I mean, tons of fun with Athena and everything she's up to. It's pretty impressive. And Andrew, our cosmic destiny. Cosmic destiny. That's right. But yeah, she's met some really cool people. I'm jealous. I've always wanted to meet Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, she's met us. Like, come on. Well, (laughs) kind of (laughs) virtually, you know, she's met us and she's notch on the belt there. It's, (laughs) but Cool show. Uh, can't wait to see her streaming television show, Suppressed Science. Looking forward to the children's book when it comes out. think she's got to write it first, but I can wait. Yeah, we got some time. And like, I think one of the things that she's doing that really encourages me, we all three have daughters and you know, having young people, women make it in this industry that are both in media and science and space, it's really encouraging. Yeah. You know, I think one of the great things about Athena is she's taken her passions as diverse as they are and put them into a career. And that's not something you always see out there. I mean, you go to school and you're like, "Hmm, I should be an accountant or as she said, I should be astrophysicist, but you don't need to necessarily be just the one pure thing. You can put them together, everything that you like to do. That's why I really like that story and just kind of the, the idea to treat your life like a science experiment. There so, we go. Bring all that together. Give it a shot. Chad, you're always going to be an experiment to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's our destiny. Cosmic destiny. <laughs> you're never leave, letting that one down. I hate to tell you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, this was, this was a lot of fun. And we wish all of you that are out there listening much success on the great experiment of life. We'll see you next time on Space and 60. See ya. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Space in 60. Stay tuned as we explore new journeys into space with our upcoming guests and talk about the evolution of the industry. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. And we would love your input and feedback. So send us your comments and questions, and we'll try to feature them in a future podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode of Space in 60, where new space speaks. Space in 60.